Hello, and thank you for listening. I'm Sally Ann Hunter, founder of Australia's WW Networking Group, and your host for a series of episodes taking an in depth look at a very common societal dilemma work life balance which has certainly taken centre stage during this very challenging time of COVID. Joining me today is Rob Sturrock, a passionate advocate for promoting a healthy balance of combining a successful career with being a present dad. He's also the author of a book titled Man Raises Boy and doting husband and father to two young children. Hello, Rob. Hi, Sonia. How are you? Um, very well, thank you. And it's great to have you with us today and for the next 20 minutes or so. Pleasure. Um, and to share insights on the whole work-life issue, um, particularly from a male's perspective, which is very interesting. Um, okay, so, well, the views about finding balance seem to almost always be directed to working mums and the struggles they encounter in wanting to have a fulfilling career whilst raising a family as a primary caregiver. However, as we, we are all becoming a lot more aware, um, there are plenty of men out there, including yourself, who are confronted with similar work-life struggles, especially those who are eager and committed to spending more time in a caring role if given the opportunity. So um, could you just um, tell um, our listeners about your views on this and your own experiences, Rob? Yeah, sure. No, happy to. And you know, you're right. I think a lot of the discussions around working parents doing the juggle have overwhelmingly focused on on mums, which has had the the disadvantage of still laying all the mental load and the finding of solutions at mum's feet and also not including dads to think about their roles carers and to expand their views of fatherhood. So as you said, look, I've got two young kids. Yeah. Uh, my daughter's four. My son's almost two. Um, in the lead up to my daughter being born, um, I'd only you know ever worked full time as as most men, and had started discussing with my wife how we could possibly um, share the caring as equally as possible. So I guess from the start, I was trying to find a new balance, a new way of working where I could be as active at home as possible. Uh, I was partly driven by what, seeing what my father had done. He was the classic male breadwinner who worked his guts out, mm. travelled a lot, worked long weeks. Yes. Uh, I wanted to try and be home and present a bit more often. So uh, I took some parental leave um, for both my children. I went from uh, full-time to part-time work, which is something that, Sadly, not a lot of men do at all or even think that it's an option. Um, overall, I've loved it. I've been really happy with um, the adjustment I've made around kids. It means I have been home during the week. I've been doing caring during the week. I feel I've had a lot of bonding opportunities, and a lot of special moments with both my children, um, both before and during um, COVID, things that I wouldn't have necessarily had the chance to do uh, if I was just working full time. Um, but it hasn't been without its challenges or, or stresses. I think it is difficult being uh, one of a handful of men that do it. I think there's still, not, there's still a lot of people who don't understand uh, why men do this or why, why men want to do this. Uh, yeah. I think that can have ramifications in the workplace. I think they can make you feel like you're dropping the ball at work or yeah. uh, why aren't you leaving the parenting to the quote-unquote naturally better parent, which is the mum. So there's a couple yeah. of social attitudes you've got to kind of fight at the same time. Mm. But hopefully in the doing, um, that's how you can show people a different way. Right, okay. Well, you've covered sort of nearly my whole episode of questions here, so we might go here, so, <laughs> right. which is always the way. So if we can sort of just um, go back yeah. uh, a little bit um, 
and start a little bit um, more from, I suppose, from the beginning. Um, you were talking that when your first child was born, you you were already keen um, to be or, or take on more of a caring role along with your wife then. I mean, sort of what prompted you? You just wanted to, I suppose, do what your father didn't. Like he was very absent, whereas you wanted to be more of a present dad. So it's basically, you know, because of, your father wasn't there. Is this what prompted you more, or, or was your was your was your wife sort of keen for you to be more present at home too? Yeah, look, it was a few things. It was partly driven by um, my dad. Look, my dad was very much the a man of his time, right? You know, he he was told, and I talk about this a lot in the book. You know, he was yeah. told and tasked to be the male breadwinner and provide for his family, and he did an outstanding job. Um, and it was just that era where men were expected to leave the caring to mums and teachers and grandparents and the like. Um, and, you know, I obviously felt his, his absence, so I didn't want that for my children. I also did want to support um, my wife, absolutely. You know, we, we try very hard every day to have an equal relationship. You know, we value one another's careers equally. We value one another's roles at home and as parents yes. equally. So it was very much about trying to yes. be fair on one another and respect one another as well. I Okay, look, I'll just stop you there because I actually wanted to talk about that as well too. Um, your wife, I understand she's a lawyer, is that right? Yeah, so she's a lawyer um, yeah. and a policy advocate. Right. And I know that you're, you've been in um, policy advocacy roles. Yeah. And um, so I understand sort of, you know, particularly sort of in, in the law, in the legal industry, it's um, a very traditional um, model that they tend to work for, particularly in the larger firms as we know. So I, I'd imagine that her... Um, work structure would have been more rigid and and uh, with long hours expected and that sort of thing. So I suppose that came into play when you were sort of working out this shared care experience. Is that right? Would you say? Sort of. To, to be, um, so she, my wife Julie, is in, actually in one of the big law firms. She's in a legal centre um, in the community mm. sector, um, giving advice to sort of everyday consumers. They tend to be um, much better at the work family juggle. The challenge for um, organizations like my wife's is um, you know they run on the the smell of an oily rag so they don't have a lot of um, support as far as parental leave so you're relying on the government parental leave scheme which is 18 weeks at minimum wage so um, that does make it that make it tricky um, no we've, we've sort of been lucky in the sense that um, we're in we're in sectors of the of the workplace that do have a more mindfulness around family Um and we've yeah, sort of well, been that's good. Them, which is lucky, yeah. Yeah, well, I wanted to go back to, um, I mean, obviously the employer, uh, the employer, a little bit about traditional thinking and how your father um, was less present than you are now. And the thing is, I suppose in Australia, I mean, it is really embedded in our psyche, isn't it? And it's hard to get past the belief that women um, are the primary caregivers. It's still pretty unusual for an Aussie guy to be stay-at-home dad. So, I mean, when, when you were at home, did you, um, did you sort of feel isolated and like were you yearning for obvious interaction and more of a structured environment and to be with the boys a bit too? I mean, how did you cope with all that? Yeah. And did, you I mean, join a, did you join a mother's group or was there a men's support group? Or So, yeah, look, it's, it's a great question. Um, and I guess, yeah, look, there were, there were certainly moments. I mean, overall, I loved my time on parental leave. I loved being a stay-at-home dad. I did it. Uh, for three months each for each of my my children, so it was a wonderful time. It was special. I'll never get it back. Absolutely, though, as a dad, you do feel you can feel a bit isolated, a bit lonely, because you know as you go 
to the parks and you go, you know, walking the street with the, with the pram, you just don't see a lot of other dads. Um, uh, I did sort of tag on to the end of my wife's first mother's group, but they were all at the process of going back to work. So that group was kind of disbanding mm. just as I was going on to parental leave. Uh, okay. And at that time, yeah, I didn't really have a lot of connection to the dad's groups. And there are a couple, but they're, they're kind of few and far between. And there's a handful scattered across the country, but this is not a lot. And it's it's a big challenge, I think, for dads when they look around mm. for the support to be a dad and do the caring, you know, it's heavily skewed to mums and, you know, early childhood services are all about mums and there's not a lot of inclusiveness for dads. Um, I think at this stage it's it's really dads um, taking the plunge and taking that leave and kind of building their own network and I think the yeah. change is going to have to come from the dads um, at the moment while we sort of work on the other sort of bigger problems. Right. Well, I suppose um, well, the pandemic has been an upheaval for, for all of us, but I suppose one of the silver linings is that um, with more dads having to work from home anyway, they're seeing really firsthand what it takes to be a primary caregiver and they may be realising how rewarding it can be to be a present dad, um, especially when the kids are young. So would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm hoping the last, you know, out of all the the hardship and stresses for parents over the last few months, that that might be one of the big silver linings is that mm. a lot of men will a have a, a deeper appreciation for what the juggle has been like for their partners and for working mums over the last you know several decades yeah. um, but also it'll fire their passion and enthusiasm and to want to be involved to see um, the real joyous moments you can have during the week while you're caring for your children and the the bonding opportunities that might happen that they wouldn't have otherwise seen if they were commuting and going to the office. So hopefully we're going to see a lot of men be really keen to try and readjust work life so they can be at home more, even if they're just making sort of small tweaks or changes, you know, even if they're going to save themselves a couple of hours in commuting so they can work from home more often or, you know, or, or factor in flexible work more regularly into their work life. It'll make an enormous difference for their, for their family life as well. So I'm really hoping that's going to be where we see some change unfold over the next sort of couple of years. Yes, that'd be great. And, um, I understand, um, you know, through your book as well, too, although I won't get that, um, get to that a little bit later, but um, what are the, what's the data out there sort of on, on men that, who are actually stay-at-home dads? Yeah, it's not great. Um, so a lot of the data, the reliable data, comes from the census. So last census was 2016. That census showed that there were about 80,000 stay-at-home dads in the country, which at first glance can sound like a, a decent enough number, but... Um, the first point is there's about five and a half million dads in Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah. 80,000 is, is an absolute drop in the ocean. Uh, mm. In the 2011 census, it was about 68,000 dads. So, yes, it's gone up, but, you know, not a huge amount. Uh, but the real kicker is that when you – the Institute of Family Studies has looked at this data. They do fantastic work around understanding modern fatherhood in Australia. Um, and basically when you break down that 80,000 stay-at-home dads, not a lot of those dads – are staying at home to care for their children as a first choice. They're not doing it um, consciously or deliberately. They're doing it because they're either they're battling employment problems or they have long-term health and disability issues. So a lot of dads are doing that. They are doing a great job. Let's not make no mistake. They're doing a great job taking care of their kids. That it wasn't like they decided to actively step out of the workforce to be a father. It was that other circumstances dictated that they needed to be home. Um, so I think this is sometimes where. Some advocates, well-meaning as they are, get a bit caught up um, thinking that we've got a lot of stay-at-home dads. Um, we do, but 
A, when it's not helping them um, make a deliberate voluntary decision to step out for fathering um, reasons. Um, and a lot of those stay-at-home dads are just dealing with a lot on their plate. They've got a bit of economic yeah. hardship and, and employment um, troubles as well. So who knows what that number's going to look like um, at the yeah. moment when we get some more COVID data. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, obviously the economy and everyone's sort of suffering so much. So, you know, when we get past COVID, I mean, hopefully, you know, the whole issue will be addressed a little bit more. More dads will be... Um, you know, be happy to take on fathering roles, but not because they're unemployed or because they have other issues, and it's because they want to do it. Um, so, anyway, sort of moving from Australia, I understand that, um, well, I think we all know that Scandinavia has been way ahead of the game in terms of um, having dads you know, wanting and, and very happy to spend more time at home with their kids. And it just seems to be sort of so much more accepted in society over there that, you know, both parental and home duties are shared. Um, and uh, and also I think paid parental leave is available for two or three years and childcare is free. So there are much more opportunities, you know, for people to be dads to stay at home as well. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, I think uh, what some of the Scandinavian countries have done in particular around parental leave and just completely mainstreaming fathers as carers has been fantastic. Um, but it was also, it was a very deliberate um, sort of policy design and campaign that they underwent from sort of the seventies. Uh, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people now kind of take it for granted that you know, Scandinavian fathers are super involved. They've got very generous um, parental leave schemes they can access but it, they didn't come out of nowhere, right? You know, in the 70s, um, those governments saw that they didn't have a lot of um, hands-on support for fathers, that they had a gender equality issue, and they really wanted to actively encourage dads to be carers and to step out of the workforce. So they designed a bunch of very generous parental leave policies that they've been fine-tuning for the last 30 years. Um, and over that time, they've improved the culture and the attitudes um, where fathers um, taking long stints of parental leave is totally normal and accepted, and, and beyond that, it's encouraged. Um, so I think it's a really important lesson for Australia because sometimes we get caught up thinking, well, the Scandinavians, they do in a very different way, very different culture. There's nothing we yeah. can apply from them to here. I mm. don't agree with that. I think there's a lot we can apply. They 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 had a low rate of men taking parental leave and, and men being active in fatherhood. And they actively went to change it, and they've done it over a long period of time. So I think it's a really good model. And the way that they're parental leave, it's generous, it's flexible. Uh, you know, you can really tailor it to your family circumstances. They make it as easy to use as possible. It's really yeah. good. And, of course, in Denmark, um, they have a four-day week now, or at least. Has it gone through Parliament? I'm not exactly sure. But, you know, they're, they're really advocates for shorter working hours so, you, you know, they can spend more time with their family and... Um, get on with their other personal commitments. Absolutely. Okay, so um, I also remember seeing, and it was really disheartening actually, I saw a report from the OECD, it may have been taken from a few years ago now, actually on work-life balance satisfaction, and I was absolutely gobsmacked to see that Australia was 38 down on a list of companies, a uh, list of countries rather, um, who, you know, were, weren't satisfied, whereas I think Sweden was way up the top maybe number one so um you know that goes to show you doesn't it yeah yeah absolutely yeah. you know i think um we've got uh sort of a work culture that does celebrate sort of overwork you know when you look at some of the stories of corporate leaders and managers that are sort of held up as as successes you know when they're, they're describing their you know quote unquote average day you know it starts super early in the morning it's a bunch of exercise and routines and a long work day 
Um, you know, we, we do kind of champion this sense that the longer you work, the harder you work, that that's something we should all be striving towards. But as you said, some of those European countries have worked out that, you know, that classic work smarter, not not harder, you know, have productive time during the day, but leave a lot of, of room for family and personal time because yeah. it'll improve your well-being and ultimately that improves productivity. Yeah, absolutely. And, and those people that are working from home, they say that they can be trusted, employers can trust them and they are more highly productive, um, which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, even, absolutely. Even with all the distractions around the house, you know, they can be a lot more productive being at home. But anyway, so um, looking back at, you know, COVID again too. So, I mean, how has that direct affected you and your family? I mean, obviously there's been more intense and forced family time at home, um, although I suppose it's probably a pretty harsh word. But, I mean, how are you managing work-life balance with your family right now? Yeah, look, it's, it's, been, um, it's been interesting. Like in, in one sense, we've been very lucky for, for two reasons. One, my wife and I work jobs that quite easily transition to working from home sort of indefinitely. So we were, we were lucky about that. And I guess the second one is we had worked so consciously as a, as a couple um, to split parenting and to split household domestics um, okay. that we were kind of able to continue on, you know, more or less once COVID hit. You know, we were both sharing the load fairly equally. We were both working part-time to take care of our kids. So it didn't kind of fall to one of us over the other to, to handle a lot of the heavy lifting during COVID. So that was really good. We're also lucky our kids are young enough where I guess the yeah. – the, the larger stresses of the situation have passed them by and they just see mum and dad at home all the time and think it's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's been a bit tricky trying to manage um, the work in the sense that there's there's less time to transition between your work and family. You know, you we, we find that, you know, we'll be one of us will be working away and then drop tools and take over the kids and have to switch gears completely while the other one is exhausted from wrangling two kids for half a day then has to try and switch into work mode and you know pick things up so i guess that mental space not having that 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 mental downtime to switch between being the worker and being the parent where it's kind of merged has been a bit yeah. tricky um and like everyone i guess the isolation um yeah. Not that we had a raging social life with young kids anyway pre-COVID, but no. yeah, the sense of trying to get out and connect with, with families and friends is just that that much harder too. So I think that that, that can lead to a bit of burnout too. Hello, Robbie there. Yep, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you now. I don't know. We just sort of dropped out for a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. That, that, yeah. that, that, no, that, that's absolutely fine anyway. But um, that's right. I mean, we are um, on 24-7. How do you deal with technology? I mean, do you... Are you pretty strict with, like on the weekend, you want to look at any emails? I mean, have you managed to switch off from technology or yeah, as, look, as a way of handling work life? Yeah, look, we, we're both pretty good as far as, um, you know, when it comes, well, it's, you know, it's a, it's a Friday as we're recording. So, you know, come Friday afternoon, we'll sort of we'll drop, we'll deliberately drop tools and, you know, leave that until um, Monday morning. So I think we, we try and guard somewhat jealously the the family space um it's also part of it is is the reality of having young kids they just do not really afford you the time to you know answer work emails or take work calls when you're with them they, they demand your out your full attention so um we've been we've tried to be quite good at sort of drawing those boundaries um particularly on on the weekends um but i guess also you know to your point earlier around work culture and overwork you know we work both in different parts of the community sector uh, and the community sector or the not-for-profit sector, I think is a bit better at allowing family to be at the centre of, of their employees' lives. 
I think sometimes in the, you know, our friends in the, in the corporate sector and other sectors, you know, it can be hard. They've got to constantly kind of fight that time and sort of do things right. on the weekend to catch up. Yeah. Um, we're in a sector where I think it is a bit more family friendly and it's something yeah. I, I would like to see more dads involved in because um, the community sector is overwhelmingly a female workforce. Yeah. Um, so if dads are looking for opportunities to have a more flexible work life or to work part-time or, or find ways to do more caring, the community sector's got lots of wonderful employment opportunities that lot, not a lot of dads look at. No, that's right. Okay, well, I've just um, been looking at the clock here, but I did, I did just want to um, touch briefly on your book, Man Raises Boy. Um, firstly, congratulations, Rob, on writing the book on such a sensitive and I think an overdue topic in dire need of some focus. Um, so for our listeners who don't know, it's called A Revolutionary Guide to Raising Kind, Confident and Happy Sons. And um, I think that you said that the Me Too movement prompted you in writing the book. Is that right? Could you just elaborate on that a little bit more? Yeah, look, it was yeah. looking, um, you know, having a little boy and thinking about how I wanted to raise him in the current era and thinking about how to guide him towards being a really uh, healthy, uh, you know, self-aware uh, and confident young man. Now, that's obviously, it's a long way away for him, but I looked also at my own childhood and thinking there wasn't a lot of guidance for young boys as to how to be a man, how to grow up to be a good man and, you yeah. know, to see that role model. So the book was really coming from that as, and, and really trying to, explore such an under-examined and underappreciated relationship with the relationship between a father and son. You know, we, again, we've got some fairly basic cultural tropes around what we think a father and son do. You know, it's you teach him to shave and you, you yeah. give him his first beer and you, you talk a lot of sport. I mean, they're all such outdated references and fathers have so much to show young boys about masculinity and what it's like to be a boy and how you handle yourself and how you fit in around your community, um, but we don't talk about it a lot. We sort of, again, we, we leave the raising of boys to mums, but dads have a crucial role, and the book is really trying to explore that very much from the point of view of a dad that's in the trenches trying to do it every day. Yeah, that's right, and, and like the whole issue of masculinity as well too. I think men are afraid to show their vulnerability and more sensitivity in society, but I think because society is changing, that they need to evolve into, I suppose, you know, be more sensitive and more um, open to um yeah being more vulnerable and yeah. and in the issue of um i suppose supporting women with equality and those sorts of issues so what would you like to say about that oh look absolutely i think you know we have um you know again we're talking about community attitudes we still have this yeah. sense that the the better virtues for a man are to be you know stoic and in control yeah. um domineering and you know, physically yeah. strong and never shows any weakness or you know it, they're all again all outdated modes of, of you know might be what we needed from men when they were fighting you know two world wars and suffering through a great depression but in, in this mm -hmm. in this century no we need men to have a much broader range of sort of you know emotional intelligence and and to be able to find um to find their true selves and their true identities without like conformity or, or peer pressure and to know that they can be vulnerable and they don't have to have all yeah. the answers and they, you know, feeling things and being sensitive is as manly yeah. as anything else. Yes, well, well, the whole thing about, you know, women returning to the workforce um, after the war and wanting to have careers, um, this threw up the whole thing about sort of like just the wife being at home looking after the kids. You know, women want to be part of the – well, well, <laughs> well women, some women want to, but other, you know, a lot of women have to, of course, these days, mortgages being so high and whatever, like women are in the workplace. But – um, it is a very important issue and I'm glad that you've tackled it in your book anyway. And uh, 
Well, we've definitely run over time here. So um, I think we've ended the day on a very optimistic note anyway from um, your point of view. And, well, thank you again, Rob, for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Loved it. Yeah, and uh, and also to our listeners, um, we trust you enjoyed this very insightful episode. And please tune in to our upcoming episodes airing on your favourite podcast platforms very soon. Bye for now.